Welcome everybody to the third podcast of No More Mutants, Whispers of a Mad Witch. Today we're going to be covering a little bit of the X-Men and why I feel the X-Men is really the greatest team that the Marvel Universe has in it. I know there was a lot of hype with Fantastic Four in the 60s, Uh, the Avengers came in as well, the X-Men came into the fray as well, but little by little, uh, you got to understand that this team wasn't really loved by Marvel. Stan Lee originally pitched the idea to call these guys the Mutants, and at the time, I believe, editor-in-chief of Marvel declined that name, and Stan opted for the X-Men, and which was approved. But if you see the sales history of this comic book, originally was number one, then went first prints all the way to like something like around issue 53. At that time, the X-Men sales had bottomed out like around towards uh, issues 53 plus, so they just started doing second reprints of prominent issues, like issue one, they, you know, issue two. And they just started reprinting those. And nobody had any love for this team. They were really counted out. It wasn't until 1975 that when they did Giant Size X-Men that it blew up again. They took a chance. They did a special issue. They said, if this actually sells good, we're going to go ahead and continue with the brand and continue with the comic book and continue with the numbering system that we're at. It didn't go back to like 53, you know, slash 2, it, you know, B or anything like that. It just went to 97, 98, 99. They continued the storyline with the new international team that you see that we all know and love in Giant Size X-Men. The team grew. Fans really loved it. The art was amazing at the time. The storylines were diving into a lot of things that our nation was facing, as well as it did in the 60s, but then it kind of got a little bit, you know, childish and the writing was kind of not so well and that's why I think some of the storylines towards the late 50s suffered and the sales suffered but once Giant Size X-Men came in it just rocked the boat it changed everything that became the prominent book to get if you were uh, lucky enough to be able to buy comics in the late 70s you had the storylines of you know the Hellfire Club the, the Phoenix Saga the Dark Phoenix Saga Uh, Days of Future Past showed up in the 80s and so forth, and each one of these stories just progressed. I wasn't even around buying comic books at the time. I was buying, um, geez, uh, I don't even know what I was buying, but I know it wasn't an X-Men, because when I jumped in the X-Men, they were already split up. It was past issue 200 of Uncanny. I was like, there's no way that I'm actually going to follow this, because to me, the X-Men had so much mythology. So I jumped on board with X-Factor, because X-Factor 1 had just come out, and Cyclops and the original five had just started their own team. Looking at X-Factor, I could see that there was a lot of mythology of the X-Men in there. A lot of, you know, those little asterisks that the comic books used to put, like, see issue 201 of Uncanny X for, uh, X-Men, or see issue X, Y, and Z from Fantastic Four, because there was still a little crossover going on, um... And I actually was able to pick up a few of these, but, you know, there was no Wikia, there was no internet back then, so you actually had to talk amongst, you know, other friends that loved comics, like, did you know what happened? Can you tell me what happened in, you know, Days of Future Past? I have no idea. Or who is this chick that's Phoenix, but her name is Rachel. Is she Jean? Because I know Jean was Phoenix, they've mentioned that, but, you know, and you would buy back issues once in a while. But you didn't have the complete history that you can find online right now. Or you can download on an app, on the Marvel app or the Comixology app. And you could 
just scoop up back issues upon back issues and get up on the history. But I saw X Factor. I really enjoyed the book. And that's where I saw the characters expand. They took different turns because I always had seen Cyclops as the fearless leader, clean cut, no stains. This guy is, you know, the best of the best. But he was flawed deeply. I mean, he left his wife. He came back to join Jean in the original five. He abandoned his wife when he went back home to find her. She was gone. She had disappeared. And you're like, dude, this guy's a deadbeat dad. And then later on, you see Angel had issues uh, with uh, his angel. His wings were removed by a human friend of his. He orchestrated a surgery that had his wings removed. And Apocalypse came in and rescued him from suicide and turned him into death. Which later on we see in the Mutant Massacre, uh, or excuse me, the Fall of the Mutant storyline that he showed up, which is part of that was incorporated into the current film. The Mutant Massacre, which happened in the early issues, was literally a huge storyline that was written by the artist, the wife of the artist of X Factor, uh, Louise uh, Simonson. Her husband was drawing X Factor and she was the writer. And she had this huge story arc that she pitched and Marvel was like, you know what, this is kind of big. Can you fit it in, you know, to a few issues? And she's like, no, I think we should split this up into multiple books. Why don't we do a little bit of it in Uncanny X-Men? Let's do a little bit of it in X-Factor. Let's do a little bit of it in Power Pack. And they, they even brought in Thor in there. And that was the first mega crossover that the mutants had at the time. It was so successful that Marvel demanded that every year afterwards, we would get a crossover. And you still see that today. I mean, every year there's a new crossover, new crossover. Sometimes I think they need to take a break from that. I think it should be like every maybe two years. Because it's just so much that you don't have enough time for things to happen in between. But after Fall of the Mutants and then came Inferno and a few others... That's when I had already learned a lot about the X-Men. I saw how these characters have progressed. I saw um, the flaws of each one of them. I went back and I, I got those um, Marvel um, hand, Universe handbooks that gave you some information on the characters and key issues and so forth. So I got the history of these characters and I saw how important they were to the universe. They didn't just affect the X-Men universe, but they affected the Avengers universe. They affected, you know, the Fantastic Four universe and so forth. And I actually liked the X-Men because they weren't perfect. Every single superhero team out there was, you know, the uh, the epitome of perfection. You know, Captain America, you know, he's a super soldier. And you have Iron Man, he's, he's a technical genius that he's got a, a suit of armor. And you got, you know, Thor, who's a god. But here you got a scrawny kid, dude, that got picked on in school. And you got a girl who can't control her mind. She's just thinking everywhere. And, and Bobby's not, you know, he's he's not a big, you know, husky guy. But then you got Beast who is. And, you know, he's getting picked on because he's got big feet and, and his abilities. And Angel, who had everything in the world because he had all the money in the world, he was also picked on because of his wings and his mutation. That's why I could relate to them as a teenager. That's why I saw them and I actually liked them. And then they started introducing new characters within X-Factor. And because of the history that I had read, I started looking at more mutants and like, oh, this guy's power is pretty cool and this guy's power is pretty cool. And, oh, who is this villain? And, and who is Mr. Sinister? And, 
What does he do? And Sabretooth, why is he really important? And you start learning the backstory because they were revealing it at the time. It was, it became very interesting. It became your story and you liked it because you remembered you getting picked on in high school, you being mistreated instead of being adored like a hero like Captain America was. Now, we're all familiar with the whole situation with Fox owning the rights to the movie Mutants and how they cannot cross over with the MCU. I'm still keeping my fingers crossed. I remember there was no light in the end of the tunnel for Spider-Man to come over. But, hey, there he is in Civil War. So I'm hoping that. But beyond that, beyond seeing them on the big screen together, my biggest hope is that the Marvel team does not just butcher up the X-Men. Currently, there's a reveal that there is a storyline called Death of X. I'm fearful that this will mean the end of the dream of Xavier's and that Marvel will just disband the X-Men like they have done before with the Avengers. So they can come back eventually, but I think they, they may disband them and just spread out the characters within other teams of the universe. I hope I'm wrong. I hope the X-Men continue. I hope we have a lot more books coming. I hope it multiplies from the three or the four that we have right now into what it used to be in the glory days of nine X-Men books. But I have a feeling that's what's going to happen. Anyway, this has been my podcast, guys, for this time around, for episode three. Hope to see you guys on the flip side for episode four. There'll be more.